0: My message today is called, Sheep Status. Ask you a question. If you had to describe your life compared to something at an amusement park, what would you choose? A carousel? The bumper cars? Relaxing ride on the train that goes around the whole park? Well, for many people like myself, the best comparison would be to a roller coaster. There are highs and lows and great sights and sheer terror at times. There are moments of great anticipation and times when your whole world turns upside down. Anybody on that roller coaster ride with me? (laughs) But as you continue to hold on to Jesus, you stay on the tracks and arrive safely back at the station at the end of each day. However, some people are not as fortunate. I was reminded of this a few years ago by a tragedy in the news when a roller coaster in Florida went off its tracks, putting several people in grave danger. But probably the most disturbing disturbing thing about this incident was that the accident didn't have to happen if the warning signs wouldn't have been continually ignored. The Sandblaster Roller Coaster operated on the Daytona boardwalk and were shut down a year before the accident. The coaster had failed a safety inspection um, due to more than a dozen violations, including excessive corrosion and cracked bracings and damaged bolts and an unidentified electrical problem. The coaster's owners added some updates and found a new operator who brought in other rides to the same lot to take some focus off of the roller coaster attracting people to other things. And while the coaster continued to have issues, the owner had planned to close it down by the fall after the big money season was done. But that closure never happened. Instead, the area was hit by Hurricane Irma, causing widespread damage across the city. Some rides in the area were damaged beyond repair, but the aging coaster was mostly spared by new damage. And rather than closing it down for a complete overhaul, the coaster reopened just days after the hurricane. In both February and May of that same year, it again failed inspections. These reports included mentions of excessive corrosion and issues with bracings and the supports again. Finally, on June 14th of 2018, having just passed an inspection by an official that was much more lax than with previous inspections, the terrible tragedy occurred hours later on that same day after just passing an inspection. And In fact, riders that same afternoon took cell phone video of workers welding the ride even as the riders rode by. Then just hours later, the wheels on one of the cars came off the track and nine people were sent to the hospital after passengers fell 30 feet to the ground. Others screamed as they dangled off the edge of the track. This tragedy never should have happened. But when people are motivated more by entertainment, they neglect to heed the continual warning signs that are blaring in all directions. How familiar is this story to people who once walked with Christ? For certainly there are people who have walked with Christ at one point, but when teachings became too difficult, or when life became too difficult, they simply chose to walk away. John 6, verse 66. Strong warning and truth in the Bible. After Jesus had just talked about a very difficult teaching that many didn't want to hear, didn't want to understand, it, it, it pressed them too much. It says that from that time, many of His disciples went back and walked with Him no more. See, they were following Him when He was popular and when He attracted the crowds and when He healed people. But as soon as He gave some difficult teaching, it was too much for them and they chose to walk away and follow Him no more. It's amazing to think that people who once walk with Jesus decide to just walk away. Yet not only did it happen back then, it still happens today. Many have experienced His goodness, have tasted His grace, have received His forgiveness and felt His love. But somewhere along the line, of the roller coaster lives, they passed over the recommended inspections. They backed away from trusted accountability in a local church. And instead, they assumed that they could just hold themselves accountable. But when the ride of their lives took them for a few unexpected turns, loops, and steep drops, they had no support to keep them on track. And while some of these accidents occurred because of lax accountability, Others met their destruction because they were just too rigid with their beliefs. Did you know that the greatest roller coasters are designed with the ability to sway up above the tracks as, as the weight of the cars goes by? If you're ever standing on a roller coaster, you can see the whole roller coaster move back and forth. They're designed to sway, to bear the weight. It is the sway or the give and take of the tracks that actually stabilizes it and allows the riders to safely function, the ride to safely function. Yet there are many people who have such a religious spirit, such a critical spirit, that they have no room for grace. They have no room for compassion in other people's or even in their own lives. They are quick to resort to judgment and condemnation instead of turning to God for help and for understanding and for times of healing. But don't for one second think that the roller rollercoaster life isn't is an unusual thing. For many of the Bible greats went through the ups and downs much greater than us Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Esther, David, Job, and Paul, and the list goes on and on and on. It's not that the roller coaster life is problematic, but the refusal to submit to Holy Spirit led inspections that becomes our greatest concern. We all have lives that go up and down. But unless we come onto the submission of, of Christ, unless we allow our brothers and sisters to help hold us accountable, unless we offer grace and compassion, receive grace and compassion, we are bound for that same destination of being derailed off the tracks. If we don't stay accountable to our brothers and sisters in Christ, if we drift away from church, if we don't continually examine our motives and actions, And if we're not willing to repent and admit that we daily need the Lord, then we risk going off the tracks ourselves. And while there are some mishaps that we can recover from, once a car completely goes off the tracks, completely, there's no going back. There remain no more second chances for health and safety. This is what the writer of Hebrews warns us about with the consequences of allowing ourselves to fall in such disrepair that there's no going back to God. Then Hebrews six, verse four, a very strong warning that we all need to be aware of. It says, For it is impossible for those impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. You see, it is impossible means this is the Final warning, do not gloss over this one. Take this inspection seriously because there will be zero leniency for negligence if you refuse to heed these words. The problem is that too many people pay more attention to their feelings instead of the truth of the Word of God. Because God doesn't immediately enforce a consequence like a lightning bolt from heaven after every time we sin. Many times we think we got away with something. Sure, there's a conviction and a gnawing in the soul, but if that is ignored by the absence of an immediate consequence by God, and you have the the desire in your flesh to keep on sinning, then your sensitivity to, to conviction weakens each time. It sure would be a whole lot easier if we got shocked every time we sinned, or every time we had a bad thought, but God doesn't do that way. God gives us a free choice, and He also gives us His Word if we press into His Word to receive wisdom from Him and strength by the Holy Spirit. It's like getting a failed inspection, but instead of doing something about it, you just ignore the warning signs and find someone who's going to look the other way or just tell you that you're doing okay. That's right. You're you're doing your best. You're doing okay. That's what our flesh wants to hear. We don't like to be corrected or to come under submission to God. Maybe that someone who is very loosely holding you accountable is yourself. You keep telling yourself that you're okay. Or even worse, you tell yourself that you can pull yourself off the edge of the cliff whenever you want. But the reality is that continual ignorance of failed inspections and refusal to submit to accountability causes you to relinquish the control of your life to the point where you completely walk away from God. I don't know about you, but I've been disheartened in the news this year I've seen story after story of worship leader and pastor and, uh, ministers and walking away from their faith, walked away from church, becoming atheists. How, how can that be? Is it possible that they refuse to be held accountable? Is it possible that they ignored the warning signs that God has given them all along? This is a very serious warning with grave implications, which is why the writer of Hebrews uses the word, it is impossible. The warning goes out to those who have been enlightened by the truth, who have temporarily moved from darkness to light, and have begun seeing the world from God's perspective, who have savored the gift of grace bestowed from God above that allowed them to begin to walk without condemnation who also experienced, they experience the unity, the conviction, and the power of the Holy Spirit as they consider this call to a lifetime commitment. See, coming to God is not about finding a church or picking a church or finding a group of believers. It's not about a group. It's a lifetime commitment to Christ. And many people, maybe they're not told that from the beginning, but that's what it is about. God cannot change you to become more like Him unless you commit to Him, which means when times get tough, you have to trust God or else you'll walk away because you think the times are too tough. Or else you think that something is unfair. And so it begins with a, a lifetime commitment. It's like a marriage is a lifetime commitment. Because all marriages go through rocky times and tough times. And if you don't commit, you will bolt as soon as there's difficulties that come. That's why God compares our walk with Him like a marriage. We need to commit to Him And many people have not taken that commitment. They have just tried church or they've tried the Christian thing. God calls us to a commitment, a lifetime commitment with Him. Hebrews 6 verse 5, that they've tasted the good Word of God and the powers of the age to come. You see, they took the Word to task to taste and see that the Lord is good. And indeed, He had been good to them they got an initial, initial sense of eternity and the goodness of time to come. You know, in, the, in heaven there's going to be no sin. And so we all mess up. We all make mistakes. Every one of us makes mistakes down here. But in the time to come, there is no sin. There are no impure thoughts or wrong motives. We are forever with God and the family of God who have committed to Him. But people because of their continual refusal of heeding a great many times of conviction, their sensitivity to to God's voice has become completely corroded. Thus the writer says it is impossible, verse 6, it is impossible if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Now, completely falling away is different than sinning and repenting. Every one of us sins. Every one of us feels guilt. And the reason why we come back to God is because we know His grace is still available to us. But if we ignore the warning signs and no longer listen to conviction and are no longer feel guilty by it and have walked away, the writer says it's impossible to come back again. Our sins are covered by His grace. If we truly respond to His conviction and we feel a deep sorrow in our heart and mind, not just that we got caught, but because we broke the greatest relationship in our life. If we repent and come back to the Lord and choose to follow Him and His commands, we are restored and He begins that process again to continually make us more like Him. But there are those, the Bible tells us, there are those who fall away completely. And choose to walk with Him no more. So in light of the whole message of the Gospel, you may ask, how is this possible? After all, you might say, and point out Jesus' words. Jesus says that the enemy cannot snatch away God's sheep. John ten twenty seven. It's our memory verse for today. John ten twenty seven and 28 says, Jesus says, My sheep hear My voice. And I know them, and they follow Me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of My hand. Verse 29, My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of My Father's hand. These truths in Hebrews and now in John seem almost to contradict one another. And they have been the basis for a long time of one of the greatest dividing points among Christians. See, the argument that has divided Christians for so long is either once you're saved, you're always saved. That's one side. And the other side is people are in danger of losing their salvation if they don't remain close to the Lord. As we look at these two passages today. The reasoning that both of these conditions can't coexist has forced Christians to stand on opposite sides, debating with one another for too long. The crux of the problem lies in the fact that this argument is between two schools of thought. But what if there is a third option that's not being considered? What if there's a time of coming to know the Lord but not fully being born again? What if there's a time of tasting to see that the Lord is good and experiencing His light, His favor, and His grace, but not fully committing to Him? What if there are many, many people who find themselves in this test drive status and they mistakenly think that they own the car, but there has been no life commitment on their part? I think much of the modern church doesn't talk about commitment. They try to get people excited about joining a movement and joining where it's all fun and games and as soon as trials hit and it doesn't make sense with their faith, they leave because they think God makes sense because they were not taught the truth from the very beginning. God asks us commit to Him. To commit our ways to Him and He will direct our paths. As you know in life, whether it's athletes' contracts or jobs. Commitment is, is a rare thing these days. And yet that's what God demands of all of us, is to commit to Him. Because there can be a lot of times when we don't understand it, when our flesh tells us life's not fair, and it's not fair, but God is. We need to commit to Him. But what happens if many people believe that they're already there but they're not. If indeed there is this initial phase of beginning to walk with Him but not fully dying to oneself, then it makes great sense that this is where many people will fall away. Of course, it's easy to see that it takes time to hear and understand the fullness of the Gospel message and what's required of a believer if he or she she chooses to truly follow the Lord. So this may account for some who fall away. But there are a great many of others who have seemingly walked with Jesus for years. People who have shared the Gospel with others. People who have taught the Bible to others. But then have fallen away completely. How can this be? What causes this long time of false conversion where people think they are saved but have not fully committed? Where there's no greater culprit than false or incomplete teaching of the truth of the Word of God. Churches or ministers who do not teach the entirety of the Bible tend to focus on just the things that are important. I'm so glad that this past fall we did, we did a long series on the Ten Commandments. And, and, we, and we all saw how important they still are to today. Many times these big, giant, mega-churches don't talk about the Old Testament and the fear of God. And the things that keep us on the road. And so false teaching tends to derail people because life does not make sense to them when difficult times come. Many skip over the continual need for repentance. Many neglect to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Many don't teach from the Old Testament. Others focus too much on topics that will draw people in numbers and money into their churches like when they falsely teach that Jesus came to give us an abundant life in worldly terms. Incorrect or incomplete teachings on the Word of God lead many people to believe that they are sheep for a long time, even though what they're focusing on is different than that of a true shepherd. It's entirely possible to hang out in the same flock with the sheep and to get to graze on the choice fields as the sheep. And to have the temporary protection of a shepherd and yet still not be a sheep. You may even start mimicking or talking like a sheep and walking like a sheep, but in reality, you're just a goat. So how can you be assured that you've moved past this initial phase and have actually been born again? The indicator that a true sheep knows and is that a true sheep knows and follows the voice of the Lord. Through a time of testing. Through a time of trials and struggle for your soul. It's easy to be a sheep when the methods are positive and things are going well in your life when you're blessed. But when you go through a time of trial and struggle, when you go through a 2020 year, when you go through everything is being shaken and tested and you're still following God's voice, even when you don't understand what's going on, you're still following His voice and your sheep. It is the following of his voice through your trials and testing that assures you that you have sheep status. But don't we all go through trials? Of course we do. But when you have truly died to yourself and been born again, your focus is on the Lord and not on your trial. Think about the disciples when they launched the church. They were persecuted and had more trials than all of us combined. And Their voice was never any stronger because their focus was solely on the Lord. There's so much focus today on what's going on in the world and there's a lot going on. Guess what? It's going to continue. But our God is still sitting on the throne and is going to continue to sit on the throne. Our focus needs to be on our God and not on what's going around us. Yes, but we need to be aware of what's going on. But all of that should drive us even more closer to God because Jesus is our only answer in today's world. Whether the storms are swirling around you or even if you're in peaceful conditions, matters not. Because you are not paying attention to the conditions, you are rather paying attention to Jesus. Many of Jesus' disciples were quite fickle upon first getting to know Him and believing His Word completely. Remember Peter? Denied Jesus publicly three times before later responding to conviction and repenting. The only way to show if our conversion is true is to go through times of testing. That is where the truth surfaces. It always does. It always comes up when there's a trial or a struggle. As an example to us, this is why the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested after He was baptized. It is this time of testing for all of us that proves our commitment and our willingness to trust and to follow Jesus alone. In fact, it is in our trials where we learn to discern the voice of the Lord. If you've been avoiding all testing and trials, then you have been avoiding the Good Shepherd leading you to a place of learning to discern His voice as well as a place of eternal security in the Father's hand, where no one can snatch you out of His hand. The modern day teaching of the perversion of grace doesn't allow a believer the chance to experience an anguish of soul and realize the need for repentance. See, there's a modern teaching that says, Jesus has already forgiven you of all your sins, which He has. But because of that, you can live however you want. Because in the end, He's going to forgive all your sin anyways. And so when people do that, they no longer respond to conviction. i am already said, i got my ticket punched for heaven. I can live however I want. I don't have to be convicted. I don't have to learn to listen to the voice. Because i already got my ticket punched for heaven. But slowly, as it happens, they miss the convicting sound of the Holy Spirit. They slip away to the point where they don't even realize they're no longer following Him. Yes, God gives grace. He died to give us something that we didn't deserve, eternal life. But we have to commit to Him and submit to Him and stay attached to Him and trust Him through our trials. And when He convicts us and gives us that inspection, we can't ignore it. We have to come back to Him by grace and have Him teach us and continue to mold us to become more like Him. Modern day grace messages and prosperity gospel messages. And the other false promises of today prevent goats from truly being converted into sheep through a baptism of trial by fire. Do you remember these words of John the Baptist when he described Jesus in Matthew 3.11? He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy Carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now there are some who teach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the fire or the power in your life, and that is the extent of the fire. Yet if you read this passage in its context, you see that the fire is God's judgment, which we all will face one day. Yet one of the reasons we're given the Holy Spirit now is so that we can begin our trial by fire here on earth so there's less to burn away at our time of judgment god baptizes us or immerses his children into a trial by fire which quickens their spirit to his will it is these trials where we have to rely on the holy spirit and his conviction and his leading and his power to bring us all the way through if we don't respond to him we'll leave before we're brought through the fire these trials by fire ground us in the Lord and make our salvation authentic. You want to see someone who's stable in their faith, who has a secure faith and founded in their faith? You're going to see someone who's been through trials. But they've trusted God all the way through the trials. You yourself know if you look back in your life what God has brought you through. Just this past year, many people have had broken relationships and Jobs and sickness and have lost lost loved ones and a lot of unfair things happen. But if you've clung to God, your faith is even stronger on the other side than before you went through it. But we need the Holy Spirit to lead us all the way through. Too many churches today are either ignoring the teachings about the Holy Spirit or they're only concentrated on His gifts of power but not emphasizing the fiery trials through which we must walk to legitimize our salvation. We're not trying to prove anything to God. We're just walking out our commitment that no matter where He goes, no matter where He leads us, right? yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for your rock and your staff, they comfort me. Times are tough. The world is tough out there. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and He will lead His children through. If you're still not convinced of our need for a baptism by fire, then look at the next verse in context. Matthew 3, verse 12. His winnowing fan is in His hand, and He will thoroughly clean out His threshing floor and gather His wheat into the barn. But He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. God will thoroughly clean out His threshing floor. In other words, He will shake and test every part of you to make sure that only the true wheat remains. All of us have chaff in our life. That's not of God. We all do. We're human. So God brings us through a shaking time where He shakes that stuff off and burns it up now. Whatever does not fall to our feet in in repentance and in obedience and submission to His will will be burned as chaff. And if you you are not willing to let go of those things, then we suffer the consequences with it. That's why God is saying to you, us now, repent, come to Me. God already knows that we sin. He knows we're, we're going to sin. We just need to come to Him so He can heal us and He can remove that stuff from us and we can all grow closer to Him because now more than ever, we need to hear His voice. We need to know His voice. We need to discern His voice. Times are difficult. There's a lot of voices out there. But there's only one true shepherd to whom we must all listen to. The trials by fire are what fully baptize the true sheep into the fold. Your sheep status becomes real when you have followed your good shepherd completely through a trial. Therefore, it is of great importance that we heed the warning in the book of Hebrews not to fall away during our necessary times of testing. See, the emphasis is on the person falling away by his own choice to ignore warning signs, to refuse accountability, to stubbornly resist others speaking into his or her life, and to give no credence to what they're saying, but to give all of our credence and importance to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But if you do heed this warning, then you accept times of trials and testing as necessary means by which the Good Shepherd teaches us and causes us to develop maturity as seasoned sheep. Our goal is to become mature sheep in the fold. The truth is that many do not survive the testing process because they choose to walk away or fall away before or during their trials by fire. There may be some of you that are offended at this message right now and wanted to hear a more flowery message. I don't know. But to prepare you for what's going on in the world today, we need to be sensitive to God's voice. We need to know His Word. That's why I invite you again to get involved in a Bible study. Get involved in a group. Get involved in a ministry. We're going to be starting a prayer ministry here. Get involved in something that brings you closer to God. It doesn't have to be with this church. It can be anywhere, but we need to come closer together to one another so God can move through His family. Hebrews 6, verse 7 and 8. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. See, God's trial by fire for His sheep has a different purpose. Fire will always burn away the chaff and the things with no eternal substance. But the fire also serves to purify, to mold, and to refine metals into something that could be used as strong for God. Verse 9, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. The truth is that we were made for better things than what this world is trying to satisfy us with. Right now, the world is causing great division. The world is trying to soften us. The world's trying to get us to be non-committal. The world's trying to divide us. And God says, I've made you for better things. I've made you for eternity to be built upon your unity in Christ. The reason God puts us through trials by fire is to keep our course heading secure and focused on our eternal home at the Lord's table and at His side. We were made for better things. What are those things? Perfect love. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. When we understand the perfect love of God, we won't be afraid of what the world can do to us. We will be directed and drawn to God who gives us that perfect love that no matter what we have done, God still loves us. What's another better thing? His grace. We don't deserve it, but we receive His grace. We receive His mercy. A servant's heart. A compassion for everyone in God's kingdom. We're not trying to put the focus on ourselves. Our focus should be on others because we know that God's already taken care of us. Another one of the better things that we're designed for is a purity of heart and mind a longing to come together in unity to live forever in the presence of our Almighty Father. I don't know if we can even imagine what pure unity would be like in heaven one day. No rival thoughts or competitions or all direction and all focus as one. That's what we have to look forward to. Don't let the world divide your focus. Don't let the world bring you to fear or the what-ifs. I think I've said this before. But if you take the word what if, and you take the first W of the what if, that W stands for worries. There's a lot of worries going on right now. You know what worry is? Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. So I take the word what if, W-H-A-T-I-F, and I get rid of the W and get rid of that worries. All I have love is H-A-T-I-F. If you unscramble those, you get the word faith. You see, when worries get in there, it distracts us where we can't even stand in faith anymore. We can't trust God because we're too worried about something else. But if we remove the worries and say, okay, God, I don't understand it, but it's okay I don't understand it because I'm going to trust You. If I trust You, You're going to bring me through this week. You're going to bring me through January 20th. You're going to bring me through this year. You're going to bring me through this great transition and turmoil in our country and our world. I don't understand it, but I know God that you do. And I know that you have a purpose for my life. And I know you have a purpose for your church. I know you have a purpose for your family to have compassion and to share your light that you are the hope of the world. We don't have to understand everything and we won't understand everything. But if we put our trust in God as our good shepherd and stay committed to Him as sheep, He will protect us. He will keep us in the fold. No one will be able to snatch us from His hand. But we must all be committed to listening to Him and following His voice. Not the voices of the world, but His voice. Hebrews 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love which you have shown toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God sees everything you've done. You might have not gotten an award for it or a trophy or a participation trophy. God sees it. God knows what you've been through. He knows the unfair hand that some of you have been given. And God sees that you're going to be rewarded one day. But we need to stay committed to the process. God does not want you to walk around timidly or feel insecure about your sheep's status. He knows those who are His who have walked through trials, who have continued in their labors of love, and who understand the fear of God, as well as the love of the Father. He knows His children who continually place the needs of others above themselves. Someone who's serving others says, I know God's going to take care of me, so I'm not going to worry about me. I'm going to serve others so I can spread the message of Jesus through the world. Hebrews 6.11 And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. This is why we are encouraged to stay accountable to others. To take heed to warnings and respond to self-inspections that require the proper attention and response. We must show our diligence to the end. When God brings a conviction to you, don't deny it. Don't justify it. Say, God, thank you. For show me that part of my life so I can bring it to you and I can get healed and become more like you. All of us are convicted. All of us fail. But each individually, we need to respond to God. Hebrews 6.12 So that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. See, a lax response to conviction and accountability leads you to become sluggish in our walks. Therefore let us stay strong for ourselves and for others. Let us be emboldened by the testimonies of our brothers and our sisters in the faith. Let us stand with faith and patience as we inherit the promises of God. And let us walk boldly through times of testing. Let it be a testament of our faith in our God to those who are being pulled back into the world. Let us remain humble and continually walk in His grace and love as true sheep in His fold. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, God, that You give us what we need and not just necessarily what we we may want. I thank You for the truth of Your Word and as Your truth stirs things up, I pray, God, that we would be quickened to Your Word as the world tries to get us to step and to stand in places of fear and doubt and worry. Let us hold true to You by faith. Our Good Shepherd, who leads us all the way through our trials and all the way through our challenges and all the way through the fire. God, I pray that we would be purified by this time of testing. I pray, God, that You would pick our eyes up off ourselves and be focused on those around us who need a call, who need a letter written, who need a visit, who need a touch of Your hand. I thank You for this family right here that You've gathered great near to each one of us. It's by no accident that any one of us is here. Help us to be mindful of Your will for our lives and for this body. Lord God, we lift up members of this body, of our family and friends who need Your touch right now. A touch for healing. A touch for peace. A touch to know that You are near and that You will be there all the way through. Lord God, we give You our world. We give You our leadership. We give you our current president and our new president. We give you our current administration and our next administration. We help, we ask that all of us would be able to submit to you and your leading and guiding and trust you no matter what happens. Heal our world, Lord. Cause us to have a hunger for you. Cause us to listen to your voice and to know your voice. Lord God, As representatives, we intercede for our world, for our country, for our communities, for our families. We need you, Lord God. Let our praise to you be unbroken. In all we do, may we continue to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.